Throughout history, mankind has faced an ever-constant battle with an almost invisible enemy, disease. And even in the 21st century, we are reminded of the lethality of diseases as the world suffers the COVID-19 pandemic. But pandemics are hardly a new phenomenon, and they have mercilessly ravaged populations for millennia. They have destroyed cities, countries, and empires. They have reshaped the development of societies and cultures. So it comes as little surprise that the dream of many a warlord or government has been to harness disease as a weapon with which to destroy one's enemies. If used effectively, a weaponized virus could devastate an enemy's population by tying up resources, distributing economic progress, and of course killing off the people who would fight in any military campaign with one's own forces. Weaponized diseases have the theoretical potential to eradicate an enemy while leaving all their riches in place for plundering later. And one disease more than any other has been the focus of the effort to develop such bioweaponry. Bubonic Plague. So just what is bubonic plague? Bubonic plague is one of three types of plague that affects humans, the other two being pneumonic plague, which attacks the respiratory system, and septicemic plague, which infects the blood. Bubonic plague is the most common of the three and is caused by a bacteria called Yersinia pestis, which creates buboes, swollen and painful lymph nodes to form under the arms, in the neck, or in the groin, and without immediate treatment, the bacteria can spread to other parts of the body. The most common method of infection is a bite from infected fleas living off rodents such as rats, and after people become infected with it, symptoms usually manifest within six days, making the unfortunate sufferer feel very sick, weak, have a fever, chills, and headaches, before the buboes start to form. Even with treatment, the mortality rate amongst sufferers is around 10%. However, without treatment, this can go as high as 90%. Through the ages, there are examples of this brutal disease, not only killing millions, but altering the direction of history itself. One of the earliest records that talk of what many now suspect was an outbreak of bubonic plague can be found in the Hebrew Bible. The story in 1 Samuel tells how the Philistines, after capturing the Ark of the Lord from the Israelites, experienced an outbreak of tumours, which the Hebrews called offals, and the affliction followed them as they moved the Ark from city to city. The Philistines suspected that the Ark was responsible for this disaster, since the disease seemed to be going everywhere it went, and so their leader decided to return it to the Israelites, along with an offering of gold. Rather than the Ark being the source of the outbreak, it is likely that the caravans of Philistines carried the plague instead. In 1346, during the siege of Kaffa in the modern-day Crimea, the attacking Mongol Empire under Genghis Khan used the bodies of Mongol warriors who had died of plague as biological weapons, herding them into the enemy's encampments. An outbreak of plague followed, and the defending forces retreated, followed by the conquest of the city by the Mongols. 
It has been speculated that this operation may have been responsible for the advent of the so-called Black Death arriving in Europe, where at least 75 million people perished. As technology flourished in the industrial age, so too did scientific and medical understanding, and this led to some speculating that they could now create biological weapons, including plague weapons. This train of thought was such around the dawn of the 20th century that writers such as Jack London even wrote several novels that saw the use of biological weaponry. Ominously, one of London's stories, The Unparalleled Invasion, saw the eradication of the Chinese population by Western forces using biological weapons. However, during the First World War, it was chemical weapons that had the biggest impact on the battlefield, such as poison gas, but biological weapons were also used to sabotage enemy foodstocks, and this practice was not limited to the battlefields of Europe. In fact, German agents poisoned American and Canadian livestock with anthrax, as part of Germany's efforts to starve its enemies. After the First World War, use of biological and chemical weapons in wars was banned, however deployment and research into such weapons was not. Several countries therefore continued developing such weapons, including Britain, America, France, Germany, and perhaps most notoriously, Japan. During the interwar years, Japan was expanding seizing territory in China. The capture of land in China, and the subjugation of the local people who were considered subhuman by the Japanese, afforded Japanese scientists a number of test subjects for them to conduct experiments on into developing biological weapons of mass destruction. In command of the Japanese Biological Weapons Program was one Shiro Ishii, and he headed up Unit 731, based at Pingfang in China. No experiment on the unfortunate Chinese captives held there was too deprived for Ishii and his team in pursuit of developing biological and chemical weapons. Chiefly among the unit's aims was to weaponize bubonic plague, and to that end, they bred thousands of rats to supply them to the fleas that would carry the disease. They then investigated ways of infecting people, first on single individuals, and then later on masses. Wanting to move beyond the laboratory, Shiro Ishii made repeated requests for field trials of his weaponized plague, which were eventually granted. At first, the Japanese used aircraft to drop baskets of rats carrying plague-ridden fleas into Chinese villages, but this didn't achieve the results Ishii wanted, since villagers learned to give these baskets a wide berth. So he and his team began experimenting with alternate methods of deploying them, and in July 1940, he was ready to begin field trials. Around 5 kilograms worth of infected fleas that were bred on rats at Unit 731, were transferred to the satellite unit 1644, based at Nanjing. There, a small aeroplane was fitted with a crude spraying device to unload the fleas combined with a consignment of grain over the selected target area. The grain's purpose was to attract rats, which would then be bitten by the plague-infected fleas and begin spreading the disease to the human population. On October 4th, 1940, the seemingly innocent aircraft took off and flew to the city of Kwaizhou in southeastern Zhejiang province, where it unloaded its deadly cargo. However, after two weeks, there was no reported outbreak of plague, and the mission appeared to be a failure, prompting Shiro Ishii to order another attack, this time on the port city of Ningbo. 
Being a major trading hub and the center of an American Presbyterian mission, the attack was witnessed by many Westerners, including American minister Archie Crouch, who described what he saw in an entry in his diary, dated October 27, 1940. As this slow plane circled over the heart of the city, a plume of what appeared to be dense smoke billowed out behind the fuselage. I thought it must be on fire, but the cloud dispersed downward quickly, like rain from a thunderhead on a sunny day, and the plane flew away. This time, the Japanese would not have to wait long to see the fruits of Unit 731's efforts. According to Crouch's diary, within a week, at least 10 people had died from an outbreak of plague, and the numbers quickly swelled, with 16 people dying from it, on November 2nd alone. There appeared to be more good news for Shiro Ishii, when a few days later, reports filtered back to the Japanese that plague had actually broke out at Kwaizu as well. The Japanese attributed this outbreak to their efforts, declaring the earlier operation a success, although it's unclear if the outbreak was indeed a result of the attack, or was simply a natural occurrence. On November 26th, another attack was carried out, this time against the city of Jinhua, but the attack failed to produce the result seen at Ningbo. For many of the villagers that found themselves test subjects for Unit 731, dying from the weaponized diseases such as plague was only half of the fear. Whenever possible, in the days after the attack, members of Unit 731 would march into the village wearing protective clothing and start separating the infected population from their families and friends, who would watch on in horror as the Japanese performed vivisections on them without anaesthetic. The Japanese wanted to examine how the disease would take hold on their victims, and it was feared that anaesthetic would taint their results. Shiro Ishii was pleased that his weapons were having an effect, but the results were not as ideal as he had hoped. The problem was that many of the fleas sprayed by Unit 731's aircraft died before they could latch onto a victim. Therefore, Unit 731 began looking at ways of delivering rats infested with the plague-ridden fleas to a target area. The rats would keep the fleas alive and help spread them much further across the unfortunate target area, infecting other rats as they went, thus expanding the infected area exponentially until 731 experimented with specially constructed porcelain containers that could be dropped by an aircraft, becoming, in effect, plague bombs. The porcelain containers would be blown open by a small explosive charge before they reached the ground, allowing the plague-ridden fleas to be dispersed over a large area, increasing the infection rate. These plague bombs were quite advanced for their day, employing a detachable radio beacon that would fall to Earth first and transmit a signal that would trigger the small explosive when the bomb was at the right height. As development of these plague bombs went on, Shiro Ishii's unit was called upon again to aid the war effort in China. It would be almost a year after the attack on Ningbo when another attack was carried out. This time carried out against the city of Changde on November the 4th, 1941, and included in the plans were the use of the chemical and biological weapons developed by Unit 731. During the Khabarovsk war crime trials held in the Soviet Union after the end of the war, Japanese Major General Kiyoshi Kawashimi testified that some 40 members of Unit 731 airdropped fleas contaminated with bubonic plague on Chandi, and that this caused outbreaks of plague epidemics amongst the population and the defending Chinese soldiers. Estimates vary, but according to some Chinese sources, 7,643 people died of plague following this infestation, 
However, the attack also demonstrated the risks to the Japanese themselves. For around 10,000 of their soldiers contracted plague during the fighting, of which 1,700 are said to have died. Other Japanese soldiers, such as Japanese army medic Yoshio Shinazuka, also admitted to having helped spread bubonic plague around the city. On December 7, 1941, the Japanese launched a devastating attack on the US naval base at Pearl Harbor, prompting the United States to declare war on the Empire of Japan. This new enemy of Japan was powerful and technologically advanced, and having failed to capitalize on their early successes in the war, the Japanese were soon being slowly pushed back to their home islands. This prompted Shiro Ishii and Unit 731 to begin exploring ways with which they could attack the continental United States with their biological weapons, including their plague bombs. Three main methods were explored, and all were fantastical in their conception. The first was for Japanese bombers to drop them onto American cities, with the Navy's carrier force having been decimated by Midway by the Americans. The Japanese had their hopes pinned, instead, on the enormous Nakajima G-10N Fukaku, then under development. This incredible six-engine bomber was designed to fly from mainland Japan east to attack targets in the continental US before flying onto Nazi-occupied France, Japan's European ally, for rearming and refueling before carrying out another attack on the return trip westward. It was not to be, however, and the project had to be scrapped due to a mix of technical problems and Japan being starred of the strategic raw materials to support such an undertaking. Another option was to attach the plague bombs to balloons that could be floated across the Pacific Ocean to the United States. The bombs would detach after a timer reasoned that it was over the US, and indeed, throughout the war, the Japanese did indeed launch thousands of balloons at the US and Canada, with conventional bombs and incendiaries intended to start forest fires, but only a small fraction of them completed the journey. It remained an option, but was too in price to be a credible one. That left the Japanese Navy's enormous I-400 class of submarines. These submarines were designed to carry two or three Aichi M6A Siren attack planes, making them in effect submersible aircraft carriers. The idea was for two to three I-400s to sneak up on the coast of San Diego and surface, launching the aircraft, each carrying the plague bombs to drop on the unsuspecting city's inhabitants. The plan was dubbed Operation Cherry Blossoms at night and was conceived to take place on September 22, 1945. Many in the Japanese leadership were eager to commit such acts of genocide against American civilians, if only to avenge the thousands of Japanese who were dying in the American firebombing of Japanese cities. In preparation for a biological campaign against the United States, Unit 731 began breeding huge numbers of infected fleas. Some estimates claim that Unit 731 had enough fleas to kill every man, woman, and child on Earth in 1945. Most people estimated in mid-1945 that the war to defeat Japan would go on for at least two more years. And in that time, there would likely be several follow-up attacks against the US. That view was shattered on August 6, 1945, when the city of Hiroshima was destroyed by the US with a single nuclear weapon followed by a second nuclear attack on Nagasaki three days later. Within a week, Japan had surrendered and the plague attacks on the US were cancelled. While the world may have been appalled by Shiro Ishii and his team, to most of his fellow countrymen, he was a hero. And after striking a deal with the Americans, in which he would hand over his research, 
he and many of his staff never answered for their crimes. This has been Wars of the World, and we hope you enjoy learning about military history and wars in general. If you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron by clicking on the link in the description or in the comment section below. War videos are not suitable for advertisements on YouTube, therefore we rely on Patreon support to keep producing the content that you like. Thanks for watching and supporting if you do, and as always, we'll see you in the next video.